Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillah. 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 Na'amaduhu wa nasta'inuhu wa nasta'afiruhu wa na'minu bihi wa nasta'wakilu alayhi. Wa na'udhu billahi min shurur yanfusina wa min sayyati amalina. Ma yahdihillahu falamudillalah, ma yudlilhu falahadiyalah. Wa nashhadu an la ilaha illallah, wa nashhadu anna muhammadan abduhu wa rasuluhu. وصلى الله عليه وسلم تسليما كثيرا كثيرا أما بعد فنعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم فقال الله تعالى في القرآن الكريم يا أيها الذين آمنوا اصبروا وصابروا ورابطوا واتقوا الله لعلكم تفلحون صلّى الله عليه وسلم my beloved brothers and sisters, we praise Allah, we thank Allah, we praise, we thank, we lovingly appreciate Allah, and thus we say, Alhamdulillah. Nahmaduhu, we praise, we thank, we lovingly appreciate Him. Wanasta'inuhu, we seek His help. Wanasta'afiruhu, we seek His forgiveness. We believe in Him and we trust and rely upon Him. And we seek refuge with Allah from the wrong within ourselves and the wrong actions in our actions. And whomever Allah guides, none can misguide. And whomever Allah lets astray, none can guide. And we bear witness that there is no ilah but Allah. There is no master but Allah. We are servants to none but Allah. There is no God but Allah. And we seek from Allah to shower his blessings upon his servant and messenger, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, and many more, and many more, kathira and kathira. And as is the case every single week that I stand before you, I ask you the same question, and that is for you and I to take a look at ourselves and ask ourselves, what is changing? What is changing in the world? What is changing in our society? What is changing in our relationships? And what is changing in our hearts? Of course, in the world, we have ongoing bloodshed in so many parts of the world, and so many parts of the world, this is a reminder at the very least that every single one of us will be reclaimed by Allah. Every single one of us will be facing Allah Ta'ala on the Day of Judgment. Whether we hear about the news from Palestine or Syria or Somalia or Kashmir, what's been happening there as of late especially, it is at the very, very least a reminder that there is not only injustice in the world, but everyone will be claimed, reclaimed by Allah Ta'ala. And so keep this point in mind at the very least as a minimum weekly reminder that you and I will also be reclaimed. <coughs> that you and I will be facing Allah Ta'ala and that you and I will be held to account for the choices that we have made. And then bringing it closer to home, there's a lot of news taking place in our society over possible impeachment of the head of state. And so many people are getting excited, many people are getting very, very serious, whatever the case may be, we will see what happens. Will this be, if there's an impeachment, a sudden cure for all the problems of our society? Obviously not. But one lesson to take from this is that regardless of my political status, regardless of my social status, nobody should be above the law. And this is one of the problems in many societies throughout the world that people who are of elite status can get away uh, with, with criminality. But again, that is a topic for a whole longer discussion at a different time. So bring it even closer to home, something that you and I have much more control over, and that is the condition of our relationships. Same question that I ask every single time is to take a look at yourself, take a look at the time that you spend with your friends, the time that you spend with your family, and is that time being used 
to bring us closer to Allah Ta'ala or to turn us away from Allah Ta'ala. Now it doesn't mean that the time you and I spend is either or. There is benefit in spending time together and just relaxing. It doesn't mean that all the time we spend together has to be in prayer. It's very fascinating when you look at so many of the narrations of the Sahaba, may Allah be pleased with them, with the Prophet wasallam. The context is they're actually all sitting together. The most famous or one of the most famous or the most cited of all the hadith, the hadith of Jibreel alayhi salam. And this is the story that all of you are familiar with in different levels, where this man enters into the company of the Sahaba and the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. They don't, they don't recognize him, which means he's a traveler. Yet when they look at his clothes, his clothes are spotlessly white, his hair is jet black. But if he's not traveling, they should know who he is, but they don't know who he is, so already they're perplexed. And then he walks through the whole crowd and sits with the Prophet, peace be upon him, as though their knees are touching. And in some narrations, he's even putting his hands on the Prophet's thighs, peace be upon him. The hadith itself does not mention the context. What is taking place? This is after Fajr prayer. And what was the common practice of the Prophet ﷺ after Fajr prayer, especially on Thursdays and especially a few times a week, he would just sit with them and talk. He would sit with them and they would relax. He would ask them, have you seen any dreams lately? Or in a different narration, who has already done this? Who has already given charity today? Who has joined a janazah today? Who has done such and such? And of course, Abu Bakr would always raise his hand because he would do all of those things already by the time of Fajr every single day. And so the point is to think about that when you and I are spending time with each other, inshallah, if we're not doing wrong, then it is by definition barakah. It is by definition a blessing. It has blessings, inshallah, upon it which we'll return to more in just a moment, inshallah. And then bring it again closer to home. What is the condition of your dua? What is the condition of your supplication to Allah? Because what happens so often is that I make a passionate prayer to Allah. Oh Allah, please give me an A on this assignment. Oh Allah, please give me a top score on this exam. Oh Allah, please give me an admission to such and such place. But then too often we give up on the dua as soon as it leaves our tongue. And the point I'm suggesting for you and I to think about is on the one hand, and this is repetition, on the one hand, whatever it is that you think of Allah is how you will receive whatever Allah is to you. If you want to think of Allah as punishing you, that is how you're going to experience what happens in your life. That is a choice that you are making. If you want to think of Allah as pouring rahmah upon you, pouring mercy upon you, then that is how you will receive what happens in your life. You and I are making that choice. So it's raining today. If I see Allah as punishing me, which many students do, then I'm going to somehow see this as a punishment. If, however, I'm seeing Allah as pouring rain, rahmah on me, I'm going to see the rain as rahmah. If I see Allah as just, that is also how I'm going to interpret the rain, or what happens to me in class, or what happens to me socially, or what happens to me in my private time. How I think of Allah Ta'ala in my heart will, interp- will influence how I think of whatever happens to me in my life. And so what are the two most common approaches that students have to 
Too many students have the feeling, have decided that Allah Ta'ala is punishing them. And too many students have decided that Allah is abandoning them, that he's not there when they need him. That is a choice a person is making. And when you make a choice about whomever or whatever Allah is to you, you will see evidence upon evidence upon evidence of whatever your choice is. And then apply that to dua. It is my choice and your choice first to determine if Allah Ta'ala is answering my prayers. Now we'll have a whole full discourse on dua at a different time. But the first point to think about that I repeat every week is that just as you and I have influence on how we spend time with our peers, with our relatives, etc., you and I also are choosing what we think of Allah. If I don't think of Allah, Allah Ta'ala is still there. If I think Allah is punishing me, He is still most merciful. But the rahmah He gives me, I'm interpreting either positively or negatively. But, speaking in the context of what we have tonight, I invite all of you to join us for our Ummah dinner. As you and I know, we've had sort of a topsy-turvy beginning of the semester because of the, the way various events have played out, and so this, inshallah, is the biggest event, the first big event of the entire semester, and all of us, the goal is to be there as an Ummah. Let's think about this word, Ummah. Ummah comes from the same root that Um comes from. What is Um? All of you know this. This is your mother. What is your Ummah? The Ummah is your root. It is with the Ummah that you and I pray in Al-Fatiha in every single prayer. We say, Iyaka na'budu wa Iyaka nasta'in. Meaning, you alone do we worship. I am alone by myself making my prayer and yet I am saying we. I am alone by myself making my prayer and I'm saying to Allah, you alone do we worship. You alone do we ask for help. So think about this. Every single time you're reciting Al-Fatiha, you're making a dua for yourself. Guide me. Guide us on the straight path of path of those whom you favor, not of those on whom is anger, nor of those who are straight. And yet, at the same time, you're making a dua for the entire Ummah. You're asking Allah Ta'ala to guide yourself, but then, ihdina, guide us on the straight path. Every single prayer, you're praying for yourself as well as the Ummah. And then we are prescribed at the end of the prayer that you should pray for yourself and you should also pray for the entire Ummah. Now what else we are taught is that if you separate from the Ummah by as much as a hand span, you're risking falling into the depths of jahiliyyah, of ignorance. Now think about what that is saying. In the same way that I said that what I think of Allah in my heart will influence how I interpret what happens in my life, what I think of the Ummah also is a result of what's taking place inside of me. And, we've, and I've made this point before, so please pardon the repetition, that if we speak just about the Ummah at Loyola, we have give or take 500, 600, 700 Muslims on campus. Meaning we have every single type of Muslim in terms of religiousness, non-religiousness, uprightness, non-uprightness. Or if we extend it to the Ummah of Chicago, I'll tell you a funny point. If you ask the common leader in Chicago how many Muslims are there in Chicago, they'll tell you 400,000. And if in 1996 you ask them how many Muslims are there in Chicago, they'll tell you 400,000. Somebody invented this number about 20 years ago. No idea where it came from. 
and somehow it still stayed. In any case, let's say hypothetically we even have 100,000 Muslims in Chicago, meaning we have every single type or shape of Muslim. Or if we extend it to the Ummah of all of North America, that number goes from 2 million to 10 million. Or if we're speaking about the Ummah across the globe, a billion and a half. What is the point that I'm making? Whatever lens we use, Loyola, Chicago, America, or the globe, whatever I imagine of the Ummah is going to be there. Meaning, if I imagine the Ummah to be a bunch of people who are humble, who are upright, who are modest, who are seeking to please Allah, we have many, many examples in the Ummah to confirm my my projection. If, however, I imagine the Ummah to be crooks, hypocrites, people who are backwards, we also have those too. But the point I'm making is that I am imagining that and projecting it onto the Ummah itself. Meaning, if I'm imagining the Ummah to be crooks, I'm actually telling you something more about my heart than the reality of the whole Ummah. So what else am I saying? That when you and I picture the Ummah, when you and I imagine the Ummah, think positively. If you think negatively, that is a statement more about your own self. It is a statement more about your own self-esteem. Again, because we have everything. So focus on the good. Focus on the best of the Ummah. But then take it a step further aspire to be the best of the Ummah. Because the point that's very hard to swallow is that the Ummah owes me nothing. The only thing that the Ummah owes me is that when I die, somebody has to do my janazah. If no one does my janazah, then the entire Ummah is in trouble. Or the entire community is in trouble. We call this Farad Kifaya. But what does that then mean? It may be that the Ummah owes me nothing, but I owe the Ummah so we find in Surah Fat, the bare minimum of what do I owe everyone else? Ruhama bainahum, that they give rahma to each other. And you and I already know this, that the primary relationship of Allah with me, with you, with all of creation is rahma, mentioned over and over and over again. The primary existence of the Prophet, peace be upon him, is rahma for whom? Lil alameen, that he is the manifestation of the Rahmah of Allah Ta'ala, the mercy of Allah Ta'ala, the intimating mercy of Allah Ta'ala. And the primary relationship that you and I are to have with each other is to give each other Rahmah. And just to repeat, again, what is Rahmah? Rahmah is not just giving mercy. Rahmah is not just giving ease, but it is to give ease, and then when you receive it, to respond with gratitude. So try this. What are small ways that you can begin? And all of us, the fact that you're sitting here, all of us do give rahmah to each other. Mashallah, I'm very proud of our community here. But our community, as is the case with every community, can improve. So what are ways that you can give rahmah? One is fatuwa, chivalry. That open the door for each other. Smile to each other. Okay? Give your salam to each other. Okay? And respond with thank you, respond with smiling back, respond by opening, by, by, uh, with thank, with, um, with wa alaikum as and such. 
The point is, we start with the small kindnesses. Al-ma'un. Start with these small kindnesses with each other. But what else will happen if you make it your practice to give these small kindnesses to each other? It'll add nur to your heart. If you make it the practice to give rahmah to each other, it becomes easier for you to see the rahmah that Allah Ta'ala is giving to you and I. So I'm also suggesting in the same way that the ummah is our root, that the ummah is also a pathway to our own personal spiritual therapy. Again, I'm still acknowledging that there's many places where our ummah, whether we're speaking at Loyola or of Chicago or of America or of the world, many places we can improve. We still have a very serious problem on campus of gossip. And when gossip is against me, which I don't think you do because there's nothing interesting about me for as far as you all are concerned, but when, when gossip or backbiting is directed at me, of course it stings but then I also find myself thinking, okay, they're just handing over their good deeds to me. It's actually kind of disappointing for them. So anytime you're saying something nasty about someone behind their back, it's you're just literally handing over your wallet of good deeds. Here, take it. And if I'm listening and I'm not doing anything about it, I'm also handing things over as well. So I'm suggesting for your own sake, when you are hearing gossip, from other people. And keep in mind, backbite and slander are two different things. Slander is when we're lying about someone. Backbite is we're saying the truth, but it's something we should not be sharing. We're just handing it all over, handing over whatever good we've done. So, fill your tongue, at the very least, with praise of Allah. Or fill your tongue with prayers for each other. Again, what's the path? Your heart has your irada, and then your mind develops your niya. Your heart has your yearning, your mind has your niya, your intention, and then you do your action, your amal. And if your action is one of the tongue, or whatever the case is, it goes back and affects you like a vicious circle if it's negative, but if it's positive, it enlightens you. So keep filling your tongue with good. The more you fill your tongue with good, the more evil things like gossip become jarring. I'll give you a different example. That because of all the noise that we have in our society, all the noise pollution, including all the pollution that we get from music, you and I are used to noise. But once you can make it a habit of listening to silence, then you will start developing a joy of silence. Silence doesn't have to be no noise. Silence can be just the rustling of the trees or the drops of the rain. When you can develop a habit of that, and you can, the noise, including music and whatever else, starts seeming jarring to your ears. It starts seeming repulsive. And so what I'm saying is that the more consciousness I can have on my tongue of saying good things. The prophet, you and I know, peace be upon him, says, let the believers speak good or remain silent. That we can say good things, good things, if it's praise of Allah, if it's prayers for ourselves or someone else then when you hear things like gossip, when you hear things like bad language, it becomes repulsive to your ear. But as you and I know, the opposite also happens. The more bad language I listen to, the more it becomes natural to my ear. But then what else happens? Praise of Allah starts becoming repulsive to me. So we want to switch that. 
But what am I saying overall? The more I can express praise of Allah, the more I can express prayers for myself and my fellow Muslims, the more that will become more attractive to me, but more also will the Ummah become precious to me. So the last big point, and then we'll, 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 uh, we'll start the actual Jummah. Think of your Iman that is in your heart, your Iman in Allah as a precious jewel. It is a precious jewel that shaitan wants you to throw away. That shaitan wants you to think is invaluable. But it is such a precious jewel. The metaphor that, that, that some scholars give is that imagine you're hiking and you have this gold with you. If you're going to sleep, you're going to sleep with one eye open because you don't want any bandits to take it. And that's the approach you should take with your Iman. But the more time you spend with your fellow Muslims doing things that are not wrong, the more automatically, inshallah, it'll be protected. Now, if you're doing wrong on your own, you're weakening your protection of your jewel. If you're doing wrong with other people, then you're absolutely just about to dissolve the diamond out of your heart. But also see the Ummah as a way for you to protect your Iman. If you, you and I can do that, that will strengthen our bonds with each other. Whether it's with salam, with prayers, or with general courtesy. So having said that, I remind you of what Allah Ta'ala says about the Prophet We will have the actual dua, sending blessings on the Prophet in the Jummah. But now let us actually begin the Jummah. Why you be along? Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa Allah Akbar. Allah